E-P-T. Inept Tech. Two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? Oysters, oysters, raw, raw, raw. Well, Coach Turf here in midweek, let's take a short break from the rigors of coaching and scouting and practice and the like and let the fans in on some of the history of NF Tech football. For example, just before we went on the air, you were telling me about one of your former quarterbacks who played for you back in the 50s, I think. Well, that's right. You know, we've been talking about good old bootleg Bragan, played quarterback back in the 1950s, and he was a fellow what invented the bootleg play, and you probably didn't realize that the bootleg play was invented here at NF Tech, but good old bootleg, he's the one that's named after him, you know. There's a lot of plays that was invented in App Tech that the fans probably don't know about, but we're going to tell them that's one of the reasons of this here program. And I didn't realize that, Coach. Well, that's right. You know, back in 1952, we was playing Lumberjack State. I remember that game well. They had all them huge defensive ball players uh, lined up, one right after the other, had them arms, biggest tree trunks, made it hard to run right through them. So what we decided we was going to do is try to think up some plays where we could run around them and uh, take advantage of our speed. We had a wide receiver name of uh, Streak Stallard back in that 1952 season. And Streak, he could really run, but he was uh, kind of scared of getting them uh, contact plays. And it, it was kind of tough to send him over the middle and catch them passes. So what we decided we was going to do is we are going to roll out a little bit and then pitch the ball back to Streak, and he'd run around the opposite end. And the first time we run that play, uh, uh, streak took off around the left end. I remember them boys was chasing him, and one of them ripped his pants off, and one of them ripped his jersey off, and he run clean out of his shoes. And sure enough, so pretty soon old Streak was taking off down the sideline, wasn't wearing no clothes at all, and he run clean into the clubhouse. And we got ourselves a touchdown on that play. And by the way, that's that's where you get the that term naked reverse. And we put that uh, play in our arsenal as a naked reverse and we was famous for running the naked reverse the rest of that season so what we decided we was going to do is we was going to fake the pitch to streak stellar going around the end on the naked reverse and 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 what bootleg would do is he'd keep the ball and nobody would see that he'd had it and he'd take off around the other end and that's what you call your bootleg play amazing coach we'll be back with more inept football history with coach Art turf in just a moment well, with that, the naked bootleg, well, we need to have this show sponsored by The Streak. The Streak. The Streak. This song by Ray Charles. Oh, 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 oh. Well, I find oh, it very interesting, Coach, that the terminology, the bootleg play and the naked reverse both came out of inept tech football history. Well, that's the reason for this here program is to let all the fans know about our fine program. We got uh, what you call steeped in tradition. We got uh, plenty of st strategic plays and ideas that come out of football that fans don't know about originated right here. By the way, whatever happened to your quarterback, Bootleg Bragan? Well, old Bootleg, he changed his name to Dogleg, and he got to be a greenskeeper out at some golf course in Texas, and I know his reputation on his greens, them golfers never knew which way the ball was going to go. Be listening again, sports fans, for the next thrill-packed interview with the head coach of the Fighting Oysters of Inept Tech, the coaching legend in his own mind, the one and only Coach Art Turf. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H-F-N's.
Look at that beautiful sunshine out there. 44 degrees here. Um, headed up to almost 80. One issue, though. Wind. They say there's times of the day when we could be very windy. Consequently, we have a red flag warning that's a bit unusual, but it happens when we have windy weather and, and conditions are right for a, oh, like a forest fire or something like that, where the winds could send uh, sparks um, elevating and you know what I mean. So it's a, a fire caution. Yeah, with that warning there, it uh, will give you the definition of it. If you want to click on that red line, I don't want. To. All right. Well, it says I don't with even the know relative. Where there's the mount. Is this the mouse low, part? Yeah, relative I can't, I can't low humidity. Left-handed mouse. It's not left-handed. You're using it with your left hand. Use it with your right hand. Well, you could do it that way too. <laughs> Scroll down all the way to the bottom. You can do it. Come on now. I don't. This is. Oh, a there you go. Type of mouse I don't know how to use. Okay. <laughs> I was playing with some mice at the pet store last night. Were you? Yeah. Well, you've moved I, I up like from those little guys. You've moved up from mercury to mice. Anyway, a red flag warning means that critical fire weather conditions are either occurring now or will shortly. A combination of strong winds, low relative humidity, and warm temperatures can contribute to extreme fire behavior. That sounded exactly what it sounded like when it came in this morning. I mean exactly. Now how do I get out of this? Just go back up there to the upper left corner where that arrow is on the blue line. Very upper oh, left corner. Uh, okay. Well, I've got a lot of sunshine in my There you eyes. go. Click. Mm. Click. One click. And okay, there you go. Normal. Incidentally, there anyway, is a 44 uh, degrees state right now. law that uh, prohibits outdoor burning from March to May 31st. March 1st to May 31st. But it's between the hours of 6, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And 6 p.m., yes. So, it's like, if you wanted to have a little campfire in your backyard and make marshmallows and things, I think that's okay. After 6. Yeah. Okay. It's amazing how many people in my neighborhood do that sort of thing. Yeah? Myself included. Do you do s'mores? Sure. Occasionally? Sure. And, and, you know, in hot dogs and things like that. You know, things that you often do over a campfire. Sure. Sure. Do you ever have, uh, like, a, a neighborhood burn or anything like that? Not or? not a group. I mean, but, you know, you'll be out there walking and then you realize that uh, two doors down backyard is doing it. Yeah. And then the next day it's one yard down is doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cool. It is nice. And it yeah. smells good. Oh, yeah. Campfires. 
All right, let's see here. Today is March 30th. That's right. We've got one more day left of this month of March, and that's tomorrow. But today is March 30th. Um, let's see. In terms of National Day calendar, boy, there's a bunch of things here. Today is National Doctor's Day. It's National Pencil Day. National Virtual Vacation Day. Let's talk about that in a minute. National Little Red Wagon Day. National I Am In Control Day. National Take a Walk in the Park Day. It's Manatee Appreciation Day. And lastly, National Turkey Neck Soup Day. What was the one I wanted to talk about? Virtual Vacation Day. Okay. Yeah, what? Well, <laughs> it's been so long since I've had a vacation. Ditto. Um... COVID had some effect on that. Um, general finances had another effect. And just, I don't know, things. But I am looking forward to getting away sometime this summer. And you're compiling a list. Oh, mercy. I, you know me and lists. I go crazy. I have 159 locations that I'd like to go to. And then I I get on a map and say, okay, what's the driving time to this one? The driving time to that one. And I put that in my list, my spreadsheet. <sighs> and, you know, but it's fun to think about. And I guess that's what they're getting at. National Virtual Vacation Day. Well, for me, we're, when I looked at this earlier, yeah, it yeah. seemed seemed like a big teaser to me going on a virtual vacation, seeing places that you would love to go and things to do, places to see, visit, etc. Well, but know, you can't do it because you're just looking at it. Well, <laughs> except, how do I want to put this? I've been a lot of places. And so each place brings back a memory. And it can be as simple as a a little tiny restaurant that was in that community. Or um, catching a fish and cooking it on the beach. Or watching airplanes at, um, what, what's the other airport? Not Hopkins Airport, but the one right on the water there downtown? Uh, Cleveland? Look, um. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Yep, me too. I'll stick my tongue out in a mirror and see what it says. Well. Stick it out at your computer and see what it says. That's what I'm doing. Okay. 
Um, but, um, you know, just, you know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame right next door there. Um, or to the square in Cleveland. Um, I, I don't know, just... Is it Burke? Yes. Lakefront? Yes. Airport? That's it. Burke with an E on the end. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, but, you know, name Billings, Montana. You know, a certain little place pops up in my mind thinking about it. Or Casper, Wyoming. And I spent most of my time in Sheridan, but there's, you know, the different cities in Wyoming. There's a thought I have of each. And they're not bad. I, You know, we tease Wyoming a lot here, but it's a pretty cool place. We as um, college students at Sheridan College would have keggers, okay? And um, this is where you, you buy a keg refrigerated, and it already has a tap that can be attached to it, right? And we literally, literally, were holding it at the place of Custer's last stand. Which wasn't too far away from Sheridan. I mean, like, six miles or something like that. Uh, that's kind of disrespectful, I guess. Well. But it, we didn't mean it to be. We were just having a nice time. I'm visualizing you if you ever tried to do a keg stand you know what those are i've you seen upside down drinking sort of thing. yes no i never did. <laughs> for it, those of you that don't know what it is i've seen pictures of this uh i i think i've seen a photograph or so yeah i don't know why you would do that i don't either but people whoever's doing the keg stand you you do like a handstand yeah yeah, and other people hold your ankles so you can stand up like that. And then they have a tube from the the, uh, the little spigot, the the draft spigot down to you. Yeah, the hose that dispenses the beer out of the keg. Why would you do? I, that? I don't know. Oh well, one of those things that I guess maybe on a dare. Something like that. My, my, would that make you ill? There's a group I meet up with every Wednesday night. I'll, I'll see if any of them have done it tonight. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, good morning, folks. That, that will be funny to hear. Yeah. Well, I'll give you the report tomorrow. All right. Virtual vacation. You yeah. ready for that? Yeah. Well, it it was invented by a... Oh, uh, you're... I see what you mean. You looked it up. Yeah. You okay. wanted to know a little bit more about it, so... For, forgive my short memory. That's all right. It was invented by a... Um, travel agency sure they founded national virtual vacation day in 2016 to share the genius and potential of virtual vacations and then the uh, registrar of national day calendar which is what uh, we refer to here 2018 proclaimed that to be observed on march 30th every year now it goes on to say virtual vacations do not require money packing 
or transcontinental flights. All you need to achieve a virtual vacation is your imagination and this free app they have here or a uh, VR headset. And he goes on to say, if you can dream it, you can achieve a virtual vacation anywhere in the world. Well, that sounds interesting, and I'd like to try it. I actually bought a virtual, what is it, headset? Yeah. Um, I think two Christmases ago. Maybe it was three now. I could never make the thing work. And I know it's it's all me. It's it like, you know, I could get the next door neighbor kid to come over and have it working <laughs> yeah. in 30 seconds. But um, we don't have any neighbor kids right now. Need Every, everybody's grown up. Um, do the setup on it? Yeah, it'd be kind of fun to do that. Yeah, it probably would be. Remember those um, folks, if you don't know what we're talking about, so what the headsets are that go across your eyes, Yeah, uh, not your ears. Some of them come with audio, but um, if, if you can compare it to something from back in the day, mm-hmm. remember the old viewfinders with yeah. the round uh, inserts that had little color pictures on them, and you could pull down the lever on the side and it would switch the picture yeah but these have full motion oh, yeah. and like if you stick out your arm it somehow or other shows you reaching for something i don't know all or so i'm told um yeah it has the reality feel to it from yeah. what i'm told i've never used one i wanna but um I've I've heard from others who have that it's a, a reality type thing. Well, but the old viewfinders must have been the uh, what do they call the precursor of these virtual headsets? Now, I remember looking at those with cartoon characters, and I think maybe some Disney movies or pictures of Disney characters in them. You know, this last thing listed today. National Turkey Neck Soup Day. What's that all about? Well, it it is a soup. And it is flavored um, with those parts. It challenges cooks to make a flavorful soup with the stock made from the neck of a turkey. Most delicious and best way to make turkey neck soup is by making... Homemade stock, you'll need, <laughs> wow, a turkey. Imagine that. <laughs> Plus onions, carrots, celery, herbs, and other seasonings. And all the ingredients will be added to a stock pot covered with water, brought to a simmer, much like you would make a stock from other things, too. So you can get those separately from a like butcher the, or a grocer or freezer section. What about Stuart Goldsberry? The... Uh, Or, um, you know, name any of our stockbrokers here. Oh, yeah. Well, I I sort of doubt that unless they have those maybe as a bonus for opening up an account or something like that. Okay. Open up account with, you know, financial services and receive a free frozen turkey neck. It says you need stock. Yes. 
Uh, oh, come on. Yeah. Okay. I, I get it. Don't don't worry. I got it. Well, <laughs> could have acknowledged. Well, I was going along with it. So, okay. You know, then, then we get to where it kind of fizzles, and then we say, yep, okay, we got it. <laughs> fizzles. <laughs> My stuff fizzles way too often. Sometimes. Okay. Let's see. What about historical events? Let's move on here. Um, let's see. In 1856... Russia signs the Treaty of Paris, ending the Crimean War. That was a big one. Here's another big one. In 1867, Alaska was purchased. That's right. The U.S. buys Alaska from Russia. You want to know what the um, price tag was? Uh, let's see. I want to say $7 million. Yeah, you're... You're really close. 7.2 million bucks. And then they have in parentheses 109 million in 2018. That would be the value of it today? I guess. For the purchase price that was 7 million back when it was? Anyway, it goes on to say roughly two cents an acre. Wow. Big place. All right. 1870, the 15th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution is adopted, guarantees right to vote regardless of race. Good job. Um, 1959, the Dalai Lama flees China and is granted political asylum in India. 1972, Northern Ireland's government and parliament dissolved by the British government and direct rule from Westminster is introduced. Okay, let's do some birthdays. Uh, we'll do them from the oldest to the most recent. So, um, Mehmed the Conqueror. Not Mohammed, but Mehmed. M-E-H-M-E-D. The Conqueror. He was born in 1432. He died in 1481. He has a real pointy nose. <laughs> Looks odd. He was an Ottoman sultan who ruled from August 1444 to September 1446 and later from February 1451 to May of 1481. So he died in office? Or was uh, killed or what? Apparently so. But the first period was what? Uh, 1444 to 1446. He was 12. That's So 12 to 16 years of age he was at that time. Yes. Amazing. Okay, Vincent Van Gogh. We all should know his background. 
Born in 1853 on this date. Died in 1890. And um, he was a Dutch painter. Mm. He cut off his ear. Yep. That's the fella. Mm-hmm. And hey, he was in a. Can't, I'm sorry. I won't interrupt again. No, go ahead. I was wondering if you could cite one or two paintings the names of paintings he did that we might recognize. Hmm, let's see. Some of them include The Starry Night. Yeah. Van Gogh Self-Portrait. No, I don't have that one. The Potato Eaters. Irises. Yeah, yeah. He painted in 1889. Um, let's see. Wheatfield with Crows. Okay. I think I... The one in particular I remembered in several others, I think I knew. Okay, moving on. Uh, These uh, next two are still alive. In fact, (coughs) the last one I recently saw in a movie was was just a hoot. Anyway, Eric Clapton. Oh. Celebrating his 77th birthday today. Oh, wow. And, of course... uh, uh, Famous guitarist. Musician, right? Yeah. Great musician. Yeah. Used to play in a band years ago called Cream. Yep. Before he went out solo on his own. Used to play with Derek and the Dominoes, I remember. Oh, I forgot that. Yeah. The, uh, you probably remember the hit song, Layla. Of course. Uh, that was one that he sang with Derek and the Dominoes. Uh, let's see. Eric Clapton, English rock and blues guitarist. Singer and songwriter, widely regarded as one of the most important and influential guitarists of all time. Cool. Very cool. Okay, now look over my shoulder for a minute. This last one, Robbie Coltrane. Okay. Uh, Actor. Uh, I've seen him in a couple of movies recently. You know, they've been showing all these Academy Award films leading up to the, the ceremony itself. And the slap. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. But um, this guy, you know, you just look at him. And, I mean, even if he's not acting, he just has that facial expression that makes you smile. Yeah. He's just um, amusing to look at. So, Robbie Coltrane, 72nd birthday today. Anthony Robert McMillan, known professionally as Robbie Coltrane, is a Scottish actor, comedian, and writer. He gained worldwide worldwide recognition as Rubus Hagrid in the Harry Potter film series and as Valentin Dmitrovich Zukovsky in the James Bond films, right. GoldenEye, right. and The World Is Not Enough. Robbie Coltrane. Some of his other movies and TV shows include Cracker, from 93 to 96, that was a TV show, obviously. Uh, he was also in National Treasure from uh, 2016 and Van Helsing in 2004. Two famous deaths to share with you. First of all, both of these would be um, pretty well known by all of us. James Cagney. He was born in 1899, but died on this date in 1986. James Francis Cagney, Jr. was an American actor and dancer on stage and film. 
Cagney was known for his consistently energetic performances, distinctive vocal style, and deadpan comic timing. He won acclaim and major awards for a wide variety of performances. And some of his works include Angels with Dirty Faces from 1938, from 1931 The Public Enemy, from 1942 Yankee Doodle Dandy, yeah. And 1949, White Heat. Well, again, uh, this you know, this month or so prior to this past weekend's um, Academy Awards presentations or announcements, um, uh, certain channels have been just showing you know all of these award-winning films from years ago. And he he was in a bunch of them. Oh, yes. All right. The other um, uh, famous death we have to mention is that of the Queen Mother, Queen Elizabeth. Uh, Her years of life, she was born in 1900. She died in 2002. And uh, a very, very nice photo of her here. Elizabeth Angela Marguerite Bowes Lyon was Queen of the United Kingdom and the Dominions of British Commonwealth from December of 1936 to February of 1952 as the wife of King George VI. Well, good morning, folks. Um, let's see here. I guess we need to talk about the news a little bit. Um, so, um, there's two reports I use each morning when we have free-for-alls. One is uh, from an outfit called the 1440. Um, I, I've never heard of it before, but I've been using it for several years, and I think they're, um, they write in a manner I like. And I don't think they're too one-sided. You know, I mean, they're not too conservative. They're not too liberal. They're just right down the road. At least that's my opinion. Their lead this morning, Russia pulls back. Russia said yesterday it would scale back military activity around the Ukrainian capital of Kyiv amid ongoing ceasefire talks. The talks, mediated by NATO member Turkey and Istanbul, uh, were the first face-to-face discussions in more than two weeks. If Russia follows through on the pledge, it would mark the biggest step toward peace during the month-long conflict. Analysts noted Russian forces have been stymied outside several Ukrainian cities for weeks, with Ukrainian troops retaking a number of areas outside Kiev in recent days. Russian officials over the weekend suggested a shift in focus to the contested eastern Donbass region. 
Separately, reports suggested Russian Roman Abramovich Abram, Abram, Abramovich, Abramovich, I think it is. Forgive me there. And two Ukrainian negotiators suffered symptoms of poisoning following early rounds of talks. The claims, those claims have not been uh, corroborated. Story goes on, almost four million Ukrainians have fled the country amid the fighting. So that's their vision on that story right now. Yeah, I'm not sure the Pentagon is buying that, though, from the news reports that I've seen and heard. The Pentagon thinks that they are merely repositioning. We'll see. Yep. And we'll see what the New York Times has to say uh, here in a few minutes, too. An ex-Honduran president was extradited. Juan Orlando Hernandez will face extradition to the United States over drug trafficking charges after Honduras' top court upheld the extradition yesterday. United States prosecutors allege Hernandez took bribes in exchange for protecting drug traffickers and facilitating shipments of more than one million pounds of cocaine to the United States back in, uh, or rather since, 2004. He, of course, has denied any involvement. Hernandez will likely stand trial in the U.S. on charges of drug trafficking, using weapons for drug trafficking, and conspiracy to use weapons in drug trafficking. He faces a minimum sentence of 40 years on each of the three charges. His brother, known as Tony, his full name Juan Antonio Hernandez, was sentenced to life in the U.S. prison last year after being convicted of importing more than 407,000 pounds of cocaine back in 2019. Giovanni Fuentes Ramirez, another convicted cocaine trafficker, also implicated the former president earlier this year. So, the former president is the first Latin American leader to face extradition to the U.S. on drug trafficking charges. And um, uh, as I said, Latin American, there have been some other world leaders who have faced similar trials um, already. I don't have a list of them. Let's see what else is in here. I think we've hit that report well enough. We have about um, 14 minutes left in today's program. Let's turn our attention to the New York Times. 
And um, the lead says, good morning. Russia appears to be focusing more on eastern Ukraine now. And they go on to say that's both good and bad for Ukraine's military. When Russia began its invasion of the Ukraine back on February 24th, Today's March 30th. Yes. So 35 days they've been doing it. Seems like just yesterday it started. But anyway, when they began, the Russians that is, Vladimir Putin and his inner circle were not the only people who expected a rapid Russian march to victory. Many independent observers did as well. Ukrainian civilians have shown resilience amid terrible suffering. Its military has kept Russia from taking over Kiev and even regained, re- even regained some ground in the, in the uh, northeast. Going on, the Russian military has suffered heavy losses, partly because of an overly ambitious strategy, evidently reflecting Putin's wishes more than military reality. That left its forces stretched thin and vulnerable to counterattacks. Russia's early failures explain its new willingness to hold peace negotiations and its promised pullback from Kiev. United States officials understandably expressed skepticism yesterday about whether Putin is genuinely open to ending the war. But Russia really does appear to have narrowed its goals in response to its battlefield struggles. That, of course, is good news for the Ukraine. At the same time, Russia's new strategy creates a potential challenge. Increasingly, Russia appears to be concentrating its effort in uh, fewer areas, particularly the Donbass region, which is in eastern Ukraine. Michael Kaufman, he's with the uh, Russian Studies Program at um, CNA. Um, we got a quote from him. We, we've seen a major shift toward one specific front in this war. Um... Why does Dumbass matter? Well, the Dumbass region on the border of Russia makes up about 9% of the Ukraine's landmass. Many of its residents have long felt at least as much of a connection to Russia as to the rest of the Ukraine. After Russia invaded nearby region of the Ukraine back in 2014 and 
annexed it, that being Crimea, Moscow-backed separatists in Donbass started their own civil war against Ukraine's government. The separatists proclaimed the formation of two breakaway republics, and fighting has continued sporadically over the past eight years. Last month, Putin recognized both republics. Focusing on Dumbras has multiple advantages for Russia. In recent weeks, it has already made progress in taking over territory there. It can hold that territory without the long exposed supply lines that Ukraine has successfully attacked elsewhere. A battle over Dunbras also gives Russia an opportunity to encircle and destroy a large chunk of the Ukraine's military. More than a third of all Ukrainian troops may be in the region, fighting both the separatists and the Russian army. Well, again, um, there's more on the story, but I think I've shared with you the highlights. And uh, if you'd like to find more, I, I think the... Uh, New York Times website would be where I would point you. Let's see here. What else? I came across another blurb somewhere. Maybe I didn't bring it in. Okay. Well, we talked about this just a little bit yesterday, and we're... So let's just do it from what we've heard since. Again, this Will Smith, Chris Rock, right? Yes. <clears throat> Live on TV at the Academy Awards presentations. Chris Rock, popular comedian. Um... Made fun of Will Smith's wife's ultra-short haircut. Now, she's going through some health issues, which is why she has, for the most part, lost her hair. My wife did that when she had chemotherapy 20 years ago. It's... um. I can tell you if somebody made fun of my wife's hair back then, I would have been upset. I would never be in the position of being on a live stage in front of a worldwide television audience. And I don't think I ever have had anybody make fun of my wife when she had that uh, no hair situation. But if I had, would I have been upset? Yes. Would I have 
slapped or punched or whatever you want to call it, the guy when I went up on the stage? No. But on the other hand, I just don't know. I think both parties, now you may not agree with this, you are listeners, but I think both parties, since the event, have handled it perfectly. There's been apologies. Um, help me, Scott. There's been apologies. There's been... Um, That's pretty much it. You know, there's been an apology from Will Smith's uh, crew, group, and I think the publicist of Will Smith got a hold of him and said, hey, you know, we've we've got to do this. Well, I, for, I, I, I'll bet he even realized. Well, I'm sure. But, then, of course, you, you know, people at that level do have publicists, and yeah. I'm sure the publicist was concerned. Oh, absolutely. But what about the man who took the brunt? Well, apparently it's benefited Chris Rock in uh, ticket sales. Yeah, I understand that, you know, like he's going to be up at the Ohio Theater here soon. And and the tickets are like uh, twice what they normally were. Uh, some more, a lot more than that. Uh, the it? prices they gave yesterday were some of his... Uh, uh, ticket prices for his performances were like at forty six dollars. Now they're one hundred and sixty one. Uh, some of them are, are like three hundred and fifty, three sixty now for different cities. Mm. You know, I I kind of am bugged at that, but I mean that's just the way the market is. Yep, we get something, but sensationalized like that. But I think he has handled it rather well, too. Yeah, agreed. And so there's still talk about could there be other actions taken. And uh, maybe by the Academy Awards Committee or whatever that is. Um, my, my gut is just let it go. Yeah, and like... We mentioned yesterday there's so many things that we could apply that phrase to in society now. Just, you know, stop making a mountain out of a molehill. Well, it was, sensationalizing it was a pretty big this. molehill. Well, I don't mean I'm not talking about that yeah. particular instance. I'm talking about other things. Yeah, I get it. I get it. That, that go on that, that people just jump on to score political points. Or to sensationalize something or make headlines, something like that. I'm like, uh, people, come on. We've got bigger issues in our country that need attention. Like the NBA flipping a coin thing, right? You mean the NFL? NFL, excuse me. Yeah. Well, explain I, that one. I wouldn't even consider that one of the major items that need attention. It has to do with overtime play in the playoffs. Mm-hmm now uh but the cincinnati bengals benefited from that rule that was intact last year because once they got the ball uh, evan mcpherson kicked a game-winning field goal to win 
the AFC Championship for the Bengals and send them to the Super Bowl. Now the rule has changed that it is not a sudden death type of thing, but each team will get possession of the ball. So let's say the Bengals score, well, then uh, their opponent will just say the Kansas City Chiefs will also now have an opportunity to score. Whereas before, once the Bengals scored, the game was over. And if someone, if I remember the stats right, 10 to 2 times it was like that. 7 out of 12, okay. yes, that the teams with the ball first scored. A much different number than that. I heard. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, 7 out of 12 times that happened this year, overtime games this past season. Uh, there was a victory for those seven teams when they first had the ball, either by touchdown or field goal. Folks, we are uh, rescheduling a, a number of our regular speakers so that we have them on monthly or quarterly or whatever. If there's somebody you'd like to have us do, send me a note. I'll make sure that I reach out to them. But we just book county commissioners on a monthly basis. So that's all. that one's all set. Have a great time out there, won't you? And um, let's see here. Oh, I guess I got a few more seconds. No, I don't. <laughs> Whatever time it is, we you have two have different clocks. <laughs> there it goes. Bye-bye. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H-F-N-S. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov says Russia is encouraged by written proposals from Ukraine to end the war, but he says he sees no breakthrough. Correspondent Deborah Pata is in Kyiv. Boardroom negotiations mean little on the battlefield. Ukrainians are not letting their guard down. The enemy is still here, said President Volodymyr Zelensky. Missile and air attacks have not stopped. That's the reality. Ukrainian officials say Russian forces pounded areas around the capital as well as northern Chernihiv overnight. The U.N. refugee agency's Alex Munt says more than four million Ukrainians have fled their country since the war began. This is a milestone, but it also doesn't even capture the full scale of the conflict. We have maybe 10 million people trapped and can't move. This morning, Republican Senator Susan Collins announced she will vote to confirm Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson, giving Democrats the one extra vote they may need to assure Jackson will become the first black woman to serve on the Supreme Court. Still unclear how Arizona Democrat Kirsten Sinema will vote. There is more dangerous weather tearing through the South. A possible pre-dawn tornado caused widespread damage across the city of Springdale in northwest Arkansas. The roof was ripped off this woman's house in St. Joseph, Missouri. We got the kids into the basement bathroom and then all we heard was like a huge boom and a crash and like a ripping sound and then it got really, really quiet. Some 50 million people from the Gulf Coast to southern Illinois and Indiana could see severe weather including tornadoes. Jim Crisula, CBS News. Will Smith could be leading man non grata in Hollywood soon. Members of the Academy of Arts and Sciences are expected to hold an emergency meeting tonight.